I'm Rechard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 171, for the weekend starting 17 March 2017. Wow, that's a lot of sevens. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, the home of South Africa's best technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, Turkinico leaked 7 million users' account details, and we speak to the developer who exposed this major flaw on the company's website. Also this week, the ANC to mull ways of reducing multi-choice's dominance in pay TV, Swatch to make its own smartwatch OS, Celsius financial results, and the new MyTech Direct Sound and Technology Superstore in Midrand. It's amazing. Can't wait to check that one out. Time to breathe life into another podcast. Welcome to the show. How's it, Rachel? How's it, Duncan? Very good, thanks. Yeah, more on that MyTech store launch uh, earlier this week, a bit later in the show, because it really is an amazing place. But uh, let's uh, let's get started, as we always do, with our quiz. Do you want to ask the first question? Sure. First question in this week's quiz. Celsius reported a net profit for its 2016 financial year this week. How much was it? And will accept an answer to the nearest 100 million rand. Celsius is interested in expanding its roaming agreement with Vodacom to include which mobile technology? The third question. The Constitutional Court this week ordered which company to continue paying social grants for a period of 12 months, despite the contract being unlawful. And the fourth question. Which politician this week found themselves in all sorts of hot water over a tweet about colonialism? And the last question. Leaks have revealed the name of Samsung's AI assistant, which is expected to be introduced with the Galaxy S8 later this month. What do the leaks suggest it be called? We'll get to our quiz results at the end of the show, but there is tons to talk about this week, plus a special guest on the show, which we don't do very often, yeah. and we probably should do more of. Um, but before we get to him, uh, let's let's cover start covering some of the news, and um, some, some big news out this week at the weekend, the uh, ANC publishing uh, discussion documents ahead of its um, big policy conference, which is happening at the end of June this year. And uh, they've um, they, they included a section on on communications, quite a detailed section on communications, which touches, unsurprisingly, I suppose, on on the white paper and a lot of the aspects within the white paper, the national IC, integrated ICT policy white paper, uh, which we have covered in detail on this podcast, and of course in in many articles on Tech Central and opinion pieces, which we've we've taken from various sources over the last few months. But um, some interesting comments, uh, which I thought would, might be worth a chat on this podcast today, uh, regarding DSTV and multi-choice and opening up the market to greater competition. Now, they've, um, without, without providing a lot of detail, and I suppose it is a discussion document rather than a, um, a, firm, a document of firm proposals, but they, they, they very clearly have um, set out a, uh, a plan to discuss at this ANC conference ways of opening up the market to uh, greater competition in that space. And they've, they've made a number of um, comments, even admissions, I suppose, uh, saying that, um, and I'll read here because it's, it's an interesting one. In relation to television, efforts to license competition to the dominant subscription service have proven futile, and it seems there are limited or no prospects under current conditions of any new player successfully entering and competing against the existing monopoly due to its dominance. Hmm. Um, so they go on to talk about, uh, um, they, say, they say that addressing this necessitates a multi-pronged strategy that will ensure the opening of the technology platform for use by new entrants and ensuring that diverse suppliers provide services across the different elements of the subscription value chain. So it's very broad and it doesn't really uh, set out specifics of what they might do, yeah, talking yeah. in broad terms, which I suppose is the, the point of a discussion document because then it opens you up to all sorts of discussions without being prescriptive. So I suppose in that regards, the discussion document is quite good. Um, so I ran a story on this this week, and uh, I thought the comments that we were getting on the story were actually quite particularly interesting uh, from our readers. Um, and the suggestion uh, from, from one reader and, and taken further by others uh, was that um, the best way of uh, ensuring that there is greater competition and ensuring that new entrants into the market work is by divorcing multi-choice from super sport. Mm. Um, and we've spoken about this on the podcast yeah, before. Yeah. Um, uh, do we need a regulatory intervention that, that comes in and actually physically separates these entities, uh, uh, actually separates them from a shareholding perspective possibly, Perhaps a lesser separation, like we saw in the case of Telcom and OpenServe, which wasn't a regulatory intervention, mm. but modelled on what happened in the UK with, with OpenReach and BT. Um, certainly, other markets have done this. Um, I'm, I'm not enough of an expert to be able to say whether those those interventions have been particularly successful or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but it's, it raises an interesting question. Um, 
Do you, I mean, MultiChoice without doubt has been a very successful company and they've been successful, um, I would I would argue for the most most part because they've made some very smart decisions. Mm. Um, for example, when they were launched, they could have gone analog like the SABC did for satellite services. They didn't. They went digital, even though it was expensive and very early days. And that proved to be a huge success and the SABC's AstroSat service uh, failed because consumers weren't interested in it. Mm. And um, It wasn't only the technology, it was also the content on offer, but... Um, you know, they made the right choices down the line. They invested a lot of money, um, and they 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 reaped the rewards of that investment and the, and the smart decisions that they 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 made. It could, of course, also be argued that they were given a favoured nation status by the by the national body government and getting you know licenses and that sort of thing. And of course, there's truth to that as well. Mm. I think, especially around the licensing of MNET uh, back in the mid 1980s. But um, the question is, do you? This is a very successful company. Do you do 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 you? At what point do you step in? And in effect, punish the company by saying, "Well, okay, you've been too successful. Let's separate SuperSport from you because we think that will help the market." Now, I guess it's where, where you sit on the ideological spectrum. Um, if you're a libertarian, I, I, I would imagine that you would argue that no, the regulator shouldn't get involved. This is a successful business, and if they if they start doing things that are not in the interests of customers, then it'll open up the mar- a window for a competitor to come in and compete with them. Um, if you're um, perhaps more on the left side of the ideological spectrum, you'd probably argue that um, regulation is necessary. Uh, that um, re- that you know, uh, when companies become too dominant, uh, a regulator like the Competition Commission in South Africa or the, the, in the US, it would be the Federal Trade Commission or one of those, or the Department of Justice, uh, must step in and, um, and and split the company. And certainly, we've seen this in markets, including America, which is the home of capitalism. We've seen uh, entities like the Justice Department, for example, stepping in and and, um, imposing sanctions on companies like Microsoft when they Mm, became very mm. dominant in the Internet market, for example, with Internet Explorer. So the question is, and I'm actually not sure what the the solution is. I mean, um, I I think I kind of sit halfway between the... um, the, the camp that argues that you should regulate and the camp that says don't regulate. I mean, I can see the arguments on both sides. Uh, certainly imposing regulations on a market uh, can skew a market, and we very often see that uh, regulation has unintended mm-hmm. consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, uh, if you just allow the markets uh, unfettered um, to, com- to continue un- you know, without any sort of intervention, uh, are we not going to see a situation where a dominant operator continues to just keep all competition out of the market by virtue of its size? And like we've seen with multi-choice. I mean, it's kind of what it seemed like up until yeah. this point, right? Indeed. And is that really in the interest of consumers? Now, the, the argument is made that super sport is the biggest impediment because South, Af- South Africans are sports mad. I mean, you, you and I don't watch a huge amount of sport, but um, you know, we're probably the exception to the rule well, in South Africa. I'm a big fan of Spring Rugby, but it's impossible to watch if you don't have DSTV. So Indeed. I kind of feel that pain. Um, yeah. Where do you draw the line and what's in the interest of the people? Um, uh, the question is, is this all about super sport? Is this really about the sport licensing? Mm. I mean, yeah, then then definitely something needs to be done so that more people have access to that. Um, yeah, so I guess you said a little bit, a little bit more left on the ideological spectrum in that regard. Well, um, yeah, I don't really care who owns the licenses as long as there's easier access to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we know that MultiChoice hasn't yet made available any of those channels on a separate mm. pay-for-use basis or even streaming it online if unless you're a subscriber. Yeah. Now, now, what's interesting is that uh, Top TV, which is now called StarSat, lodged a complaint at the Competition Commission over this very issue. Mm. Uh, they were trying to license, I think, the soccer channel. So, what's that, SuperSport 3? Uh, from from Supersport, and um, I, I, I may be missing segments of this because I read the complaint quite a, quite some time ago. But I think it was lodged about three or four years yeah, ago. Yeah, now. I remember that. And um, they they argue they apparently went into negotiations with management at Supersport. And management at Supersport was quite keen to license them the channel, and then it was allegedly blocked by multi choice management. So the next oh, level interesting. Up. Yes. Um, so they lo- they lodged a complaint at the Competition Commission, but it's gone dead quiet. Nothing happened. Uh, why? Um, mm. Apparently, they haven't thrown it out, but they also haven't investigated it. If, if I can sit on the fence here, and, and you know, we've spoken on this podcast so often about uh, SABC's, um, uh, SABC's debacle in the content arena. You know, a lot of these things blow off each other. I mean, if, if, if SABC can be a stronger contender, mm. 
you know, it, it's it's really the only platform that can compete with DSTV mm. at the moment, really. Yeah. Uh, and again, you mentioned the SABC. Should 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 a regulator be punishing multi-choice because the SABC is so useless that mm. they can't compete with multi-choice for sports rights? And we know the, that the SABC is in a state of disarray. Um, yeah. And and we know that they've um, that a lot of uh, they've they've lost a lot of sports rights to the uh, to, to multi choice. In fact, yeah. they've had to go to be sort of begging to multi choice for access to some of the soccer. Um, so it it's yeah. I mean, do do we do we do we impose regulations on multi choice because multi choice competition is useless? Yeah, it's a difficult question to answer. Um, <sighs> If, if only we had a time machine, go back in time and fix the SABC and, and, and actually see what the, what it would have turned into. Um, but we need to look at what the rest of the world has done too in, in these kind of scenarios. We're certainly not unique. I suppose we this. need to learn. I suppose uh, the answer is we need to learn yeah. what's happened in other markets and apply the best um, the be, the best regulations. But you know, the worry is that we impose regulation and then it, it has the effect of distorting the market in other ways. And I'm, I, I, you know, ideologically speaking, I'm I'm against punishing companies because mm. just because they're successful. No, I agree. It's it's a very very thin gray line here. Mm. Um, but I, you know, what is again? What is in the interest of the people and the customer? I guess if you're a multi-choice customer, you're fine. If mm. you're not, like uh, many of us out there, it, mm. you know, you do lose out on. And, and we are specifically talking about sports because we can get other content anywhere mm. these days really mm. um the the local stuff that we i mean a lot of the local content that's not available on the other mm. streaming platforms but the local content in terms of sport i mean it is a backbone of many south africans lives it's true i, I suppose the, the question is whether um whether having access to sport is and our national teams is in the is is a, is a something the government should be ensuring that that people have access to or is sport something that's um, an entertainment value add that people should expect to pay for? I guess you have to ask the sponsors that question. <laughs> Someone has to pay for it at the end yeah. of the day. It's a very expensive business. Um, you know, it, we, you can't provide it for free. Um, someone has to pay for it. No, for sure. Someone for has sure. to sponsor it. And once sponsorship gets involved, broadcasting rights, um, it, it tends, I guess, it tends to migrate to, to pay television platforms. Mm, mm. I mean, I, I think what 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 MultiChoice should really do is do what ESPN ESPN's been doing for so many years: is pay per view. You know, you mm. pay for if I want to watch a Springbok rugby game in the Springbok season yeah. only. You know, I'd pay hundred bucks to watch the game, fifty bucks, whatever that may be. I mean, you need yeah. to look at kind of the the value of such a service. Yes, um, and that's that's how you make it available to more people as well, and potentially, mm. you know, let the customer win a little bit in terms of sport. I mean, the, the funny thing is there's, there's actually a nice business here for, for the super sport guys. Um, if, if they were not part of multi-choice, I'm sure they'd love to go to market and supply channels to a whole range of platforms. Yeah, license, I mean, that's, what, that's how people make money, license your content. That's what, license we, your... that's what we see in other markets. So may, maybe it's just a case of the regulator coming in and saying, multi-choice, you have to license access to your channels on a fair, non-discriminatory yeah. basis. Provide a model that allow that kind of service. I think that may be the answer, rather than coming in and saying, "Well, you can't own SuperSport; it needs to be an independent entity." Yeah, Maybe yeah. you simply create a rule that says, um, and we, we've seen rules like this in, across the industry, uh, the regulator across the telecommunications industry. There has to be just simply state there has to be you have to make uh, the SuperSport channels available on a fair, non-discriminatory basis to your competitors. Yeah, yeah. That's I probably think, the solution. That's a, yeah, yeah, let's let's submit this proposal and just get it through. <laughs> Well, we don't want to make the news. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave the ANC to do that at their uh, at, at their uh, dis at their national policy conference in June. But um, <laughs> um, certainly, none of what we've discussed here is contained in the in the policy document, uh, which is interesting. Um, but I, I guess they don't want to go into specifics. Mm. Uh, hopefully, we'll see some more specifics around these around the, the, what's proposed in this document or, or suggested in this document at that policy conference. But some other interesting stuff in here. I mean, they talk about potential regulation of over the top services. Uh, in the South African oh, market, that, that old chestnut. We've heard that before. Yeah, we? I'm not sure that's the best idea, mm. um, and no doubt they're getting that from uh, the operators here inside the broadcasters here in South Africa. I know MultiChoice is very oh, keen for Netflix oh. and others to be regulated in the same way that they are. Um, whether that's in the interest of consumers or the interests of the local broadcasters mm. is, is open to question. Um, I would like to see where the money flows with this. I mean, the cynic that I am. Of I, think, I always think somebody somebody's got something to gain, you know, if they want to mm. change something, of course, just dramatically. Rule one hundred and one of journalism: <laughs> follow, the money. Money. <laughs> follow the money. Follow the money. 
anyway let's uh, let's let's move swiftly along um i had a fascinating chat with uh, matt kavanagh and uh, he's a durban based software developer he he uh, develops uh, for um uh windows phone windows mobile one of the last few remaining Windows yes, developers. Yes, I, I joked with that. <laughs> that was him when I spoke to him a bit earlier this afternoon. Um, but he's doing some 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 really cool stuff. He's a uh, he's a Windows developer more broadly. Mm-hmm. He's developed uh, some of the apps that you've probably used, things like Weather the Weather SA app. Uh, he's developed the SuperSport app. He's done a lot oh, of nice. work on Plex, uh, the um, yes, of a few yes, weeks yes, ago. Yes. The, that the great streaming service. service. Yeah. Yes. So, so he's done quite a lot of work on the on the Windows uh, clients for for Plex. Oh, fantastic! Um, Durban-based developer, and um, the reason I was speaking to him was that uh, he uh, last year discovered a major problem, a major security hole on the Stairkinikor website, uh, which exposed almost seven million uh, customers' details, including mine, because I was a customer on that platform. Ah, yeah. right. Okay. Uh, to anyone who um, to, uh, to uh, to anyone who knew how to get, get mm. around and, and uh, this. Um, vulnerability, which it was fairly trivial to get around. It included uh, Stekinikor um, saving uh, users' passwords in plain text. Oh, what a what a mistake! What a rookie error! Rookie error, yeah. So um, Matt Kavanagh did the um, um, responsible thing, and he did not disclose this publicly until uh, he had re- um, revealed it, all of his information to Stekinikor's mm-hmm. uh, team. And until Stekinikor had a chance to fix it, only once that had happened did he disclose the information uh, publicly, which led to a number of press reports this week. Okay. Um, now, um, I, I, let me not go into a lot of detail because um, uh, I actually asked Matt in the interview um, about uh, um, uh, exactly how he discovered this uh, vulnerability and um, you know what, it, how he was able to get in and, and what he found and also how he did the disclosure. So let's have a listen to Matt. Matt, you presented at a recent conference about a major security hole in Stekinikor's website, in Stekinikor's old website. You disclosed the problem to them last year already and gave them time to fix the problem uh, before revealing it to the wider world at a recent conference called DevConf 2017. Uh, before we get there, though, I want to find out a bit about you. Um, you're a Durban boy, right? Uh, that's my, my hometown. Uh, whereabouts in Durban are you? So I'm in the Musgrave area. I I was born in a tiny town called Escort. I know Escort, and yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's where the bacon come from, comes yeah. from. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I lived there until college and then moved to Durban, and I've been here since. Okay, cool. Um, now, Matt, you, you're that, um, uh, if you don't mind me calling you that, that rare specimen, a Windows phone developer, <laughs> um, and of course, a, a Microsoft uh, developer more broadly. Um, you've, you've got a, a small development business in Durban. What's that called? It's called Rogue Code. Rogue Code. Okay. And what do you guys do? Uh, okay. So, a few years ago, I I started this thing, and we... We were doing Windows Phone apps, and that was back in the Windows Phone 7 days. Uh, And then we started Windows Phone 8 stuff and Windows stuff when they kind of merged those platforms. And then we were doing uh, UWP, the Universal Windows Platform apps. For the past uh, two years, we've been working on uh, a game. So uh, we haven't been doing as many apps anymore. Uh, obviously, the market has sort of shifted away from that. Mm. But but one thing we did write, even even though Windows isn't uh, uh, the most financially viable thing to do right now, I, I think we were one of the few companies that, that actually made a lot of money because we were pretty much the only ones, ones doing it. So, right, right. So, yeah, people ask me, like, why did I do that? And was it a mistake? I... No, I think like um, financially, we uh, it worked really, really well simply because we were like the only ones there. Okay, okay. So um, you've we're developing what? What apps did you develop on the on the Windows Mobile or Windows Phone platform? Uh, the few that you would have heard of would be uh, Super Sports. Okay. Uh, DSTV. Um, weather, weather Africa, Weather SA. Oh yes, I know that app well. Yes, branding mm. you've seen. Mm. 
Uh, and then personally, I worked for about two years for a media company called Plex. Oh, yeah, I know Plex. And I use their software, yes. Yeah, so I was working on their Windows platform apps, so uh, Windows Phone and Windows Desktop. Okay, that's great. So, so you 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 must have watched with great interest um, and, and probably great frustration as well as the Windows Phone slash Windows Mobile environment changed, the acquisition of Nokia, um, the strategic decisions that Microsoft took around the platform. Um, what is your view of, of of Windows on mobile? Is it does it have a future at all, or um, I mean, where do you see it going? So. I've sort of been optimistic the entire time, and I've really tried to keep that view. But as time goes on, Microsoft is proving that they'll do everything in their power to do the wrong thing. (laughs) So um, I still use a Windows phone. I've got a a 950XL. Yeah. My wife still uses a, a 1020. And... Uh, yeah, so I'm still using it now, but Windows Windows 10 for mobile is is kind of very hit and miss. There's a lot of things I still really like, but there's also there's also a lot of problems. Uh, my phone still restarts multiple oh. times a day. Oh dear! Sometimes when I get a notification, it it pops up and then freezes, playing the notification sound for about a minute until. Uh, until it restarts. That's uh, when when my wife opens her camera, it uh, it usually freezes and often loses photos. Uh, when sometimes when she's in WhatsApp, she'll send me about a hundred messages that all say P, like the letter P. <laughs> sometimes with like two P's. Uh, yeah, so I I'm still optimistic about the Windows platform in general. Right. But but my next phone it may yeah, it may need to to be Android or maybe I'll maybe I'll try a Blackberry. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> um yeah, well, maybe not go Blackberry. I think uh, that may be going the same way. But, um, yeah, but uh, I, I was joking. No, of course, of course. Um, so, uh, Matt, you're now developing a game. You say you've been in development for about two years. It's an Xbox game, right? Well, Xbox and PC. And, and PC, okay. And, and it's called Vicious Attack Llama Apocalypse. I just love the name. Well I love the name. <laughs> What's it about? Uh, I so many people ask me. I I usually tell them some backstory about um, some childhood trauma with a llama attacking my mother. But uh, <laughs> r- really, I I can't remember. Uh, I, I can't remember if it was my wife that came up with it, or or me, or one of the my friends that was working with us at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no idea. And the title, obviously, we called it Vicious Attack Llama Apocalypse because it just rolls with the tongue. It's it's just so nice and concise. <laughs> it's certainly memorable. I'll put it that, put it that way. When, um, when, uh, when, when is it coming some out? Some people then? struggle to remember it. But, <laughs> so, uh, our trailer says 2016. Okay. Uh, it looks like we may not hit that because that was three months ago. Right. Uh, but we... We've been through one round of certs on, on Xbox. Okay. Uh, that's sort of the process where they make sure that you followed all the rules and everything. Okay. Uh, and we'll probably go into final certs to submit to the store uh, in probably two months. Okay. I, I've been saying that for about a year, but, but this time I think it's for real. Sounds good. Sounds good. I, I look forward to checking it out when it eventually gets, uh, gets released. Um, I just love Great. the name. I think it's probably going to sell thousands of copies just based on that name. But Matt, so. the main reason we're chatting today is um, about Stair Kinecore. Um, now, uh, I see a couple of websites have now run a story on this, but you last year uh, uncovered a major problem uh, around security on the Stair Kinecore website, one that resulted in the exposure of almost 7 million uh, user account details, potentially. Um, just give us a bit of background on, on how you came across this problem and um, and 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 what you did about it once you did. So uh, I want to start off by saying that it's it's a very easy thing to find. It, okay. Um, I, I've said it on my blog and, and a bunch of other places, but it's anyone that has 
mild knowledge about uh, just intercepting web traffic, which is most web developers, uh, would have been able to at least see that they were doing something weird. Uh, because the the way they were transferring data, sort of, uh, they were doing it in a custom way mm-hmm. that straight away raises red flags. So, so when I saw that, uh, and and saw they they had what seemed to be some sort of custom encryption, uh, that straight away was like telling me, hey, you should look into this further. Uh, so. I noticed that, and um, I, I've detailed it on my on my blog. But basically, they were sending sending information backwards and forwards, uh, and they were using client side encryption to to send that information. So they they weren't using HTTPS. Uh, they had uh, I don't know if it's a custom encryption algorithm or if they did it themselves, uh, but embedded in the flash they had all the encryption keys uh, and in all the apps it, it, the the vulnerability was with the backend apis uh, it, it just happens that the flash was the easiest to to decompile get the encryption keys uh, and and from there I was able to send requests back and forwards and basically mimic what what the flash did and and that's not a major problem uh, I mean all that would have allowed me to really do was was use their API in the way that the websites in, intended, uh, which isn't a problem. Uh, the problem came in where after you log in, it does a second call to the API. So first, when you log in, it's, it checks your credentials and it comes back with an ID saying like, hey, these, these are valid. Uh, your user ID is like a thousand. Okay. Then, then it does a second API call. Now, the second API, API call is to get your profile data. Your profile data is stuff like your first name and addresses and whatever. The problem here was that they did, uh, they did no authentication on that. So mm. with, with an ID of any given user, you could send that ID and it would return their profile details. Now, uh, that... That was sort of very easy to get everyone's profile details because their IDs uh, were from zero to like uh, six point five million. Right. It, it wasn't. It, it wasn't some random good or something. You could just iterate through the numbers and fetch all their profile details. Right. The second problem uh, that would have been bad enough in a normal system, but the second second problem was that they seem to be just returning the entire database field for that user, which includes their password. Uh, and that password is stored in play, plain text because I guess they've never read a textbook. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, that means they're storing passwords in plain text in the database, which you should obviously never do. Mm. Uh, and then worse than that, they're returning it to anyone that asks. Mm-hmm. Mm. So there's no indication. You mentioned in your blog. By the way, the blog is blog.roguecode.co.za where Matt has uh, gone into a lot of detail about um, exactly how he discovered this exploit and, and, and what it could do. Um, the So the stuff was being stored in, in plain text so anyone could get access to it. Do we have any indication that anyone with malicious intent did so? So Sturknickel sent out uh, to you and uh, and a few other sites, they, they sent out sort of a generic response that, uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but it basically said that since uh, me, since I uh, accessed the data, they, they can confirm that no one, no one accessed it after that. So, uh, yeah. We have to take their word for it, right? Well, Yes, yeah. I imagine that's completely true, but that doesn't mean that in the years that this has existed before me, no one has. Mm. Uh, and as I said in my blog, uh, they gave no indication to me that they detected that I was doing this at all. Mm. Uh, that they didn't seem to get alerted when uh, you did it. when I was causing downtime or or when I was doing so many requests. So I, I imagine that means they also don't have any logs or anything. Mm. So, yeah, they don't know, and I don't know. There's, there's basically no way we can know whether someone has this information. But so we should probably re- assume that someone does have it then. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's not like a, a big deal for a user to go change their password, sure. which, by the way, is, is what you should do, and should you should do. never yep. 
use the same password in multiple places. But yes. uh, yeah, it's not a big deal to go do that. To do that, so yeah, you may, may as well just assume that someone does have it. Mm. But uh, as far as Stokinikor, uh, yeah, we don't know. We don't. Ma know. Maybe no one has it, and that would be great. Sure. So, what what exactly was leaked? Email addresses. Uh, um, what what other data was um, available on the server? Were there any credit card numbers? No. So, they uh, they returned. I've got a list of the fields here. It's it, it's your first name, last name, your gender, your email address, uh, phone numbers for home and cell phone, uh, residential addresses, postal addresses. A bunch of details for your uh, your cards and, and stuff, N not your credit cards. Your, okay. uh, you know, the little stoke loyalty or, card. Yeah, loyalty cards, uh, password, um, your race. Uh, they seem to have uh, demographic for some users and and language. So, okay. Basically, the yeah, there's no credit card details, and that's that's great. <laughs> that would have been a major problem. Yes. Uh, but the concern here is that if someone has this data, that they they have your password. Now, a lot of people share share passwords, yes. and obviously you should never do that. Indeed. But I I imagine that the sort of people that have Stokinikor accounts now, obviously, lots of people do. But uh, it, it would be people that uh, have just signed up because they wanted to watch a movie and not necessarily technically inclined. Sure. Now, those sorts of people, I. I would I would assume that a lot of them have shared their passwords. So the concern here is that uh, someone with malicious intent can look at their email address, look at their password, and go log into their their accounts. And then further than that, uh, if they work out other sites that they're a part of, they can try use that same password in in those places. So they could get into your Facebook or your LinkedIn or, or your Gmail or any other website where the password is the same, and then they could they could potentially do a lot more damage. Yeah. So once you have some access to someone's email account, it makes it a hell of a lot easier to get into other systems as well because a lot of places confirm your identity by emailing you. Mm. Yes, indeed. So uh, I think the, the message here is clear. If you um, if you think you have were, were compromised um, in this. Uh, if you, th if you think there's a p even a possibility that you were compromised here, you must go and change your uh, Stakinicor uh, um, login credentials or password immediately. But Matt, there's actually a way you can check this, right? You can you can actually find out if your email was compromised in this uh, in this whole process. Yeah. So uh, sorry, I just want to clarify something you just said. Sure. Uh, you shouldn't go change your Stokinicor password. Uh, when they moved over to their new system, they reset everyone's password. <laughs> to everyone's birthday, uh -huh. but uh, change your password everywhere else. <laughs> change your password everywhere else that where you've used that same password. So if you use the same password for Stokinicor and your Hotmail account, uh, go change your Hotmail accounts. Mm. I guess the message so, here, and I, I've 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 been very bad at this in the past. I must say, Matt, I've I've had the same password across multiple accounts, but just in the last few months, I've started using a, a password manager called Dashlane, which which I find very good, and uh, it 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 really does um, it really does strengthen your security online. It's actually the worst thing you can do is is um, share share passwords across accounts, especially in light of the fact that these these servers. And it's not just Stackinicore. Um, it's um, you know we hear about these these breaches. We hear what what's happened with Yahoo in the US. Um, it, it, it's a it's a frequent occurrence, so um, it's just madness actually keeping this using the same password across any website. Yeah. So then back to what you're talking about uh, about a way to find out which systems yes. have been breached. There's a website called Have I Been Owned, uh, and I'm sure you'll include a link to that. Own spelled with a p. Um, but that's run by a guy called Troy Hunt, and. What this website does is he he sort of catalogs the data breaches around the world and wherever he can get a dump of data, uh, he puts it into uh, into the service and you can actually subscribe. So you, you sign up with your email address and whenever he adds a, a dump that's happened on whatever website that includes your email address, it actually sends you a notification and tells you like, Hey, uh, Stokinicore data has has been uh, dumped by someone. 
uh, you should go change your password or whatever the case may be. So that's definitely worth signing up for. It's definitely worth checking out. So it's have I been owned where the O is a P or have I been pwned.com. And I went there and I I plugged in uh, my Gmail address and uh, discovered, uh, I was glad to see that Stair was wasn't included in the list, but I did discover that my... um, Credentials um, had been compromised on both Dropbox and LinkedIn in in uh, hacks that occurred, I think, about three or four years ago. So it's yeah, worth I, going to check out, even if you just want to, ch- even if you're not even a Stechinical customer and you've never booked a movie on the Stechinical website, it's actually worth going to this website just to check out whether your um, whether your email address has been compromised at any other service. Yeah, I mean, the, this stuff happens so often. It, it does, I, yeah. It's about six different things there that pop me on that site when I put in my email address. So, yeah, it's yeah. worth doing. Okay, great stuff. Excellent, Matt. Well, thanks for uh, chatting to us uh, on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you. Well, that was Matt Kavanagh. Uh, I've subsequently received a statement from uh, Steer Kinnikor, Rechot. Um, I'm going to read it. Um, it's just four paragraphs. Um, it came through actually just minutes after I uh, hung up the Skype call earlier with Matt. And um, they say, in response to recent media reports of an information security infringement, Stair would like to place it on record that the incident in question referred to uh, its previous and now redundant website. Okay, that we know. In September last year, the company was made aware that its website and some customer information had been made vulnerable. It was alleged that the personal information of some users, limited to details such as Stair or login username and plain text passwords, so no credit card information, was potentially vulnerable. Uh, Stechinical had ha, has not previously or currently ever held the details of 7 million accounts as has been reported in the media. Interesting. At the, at, at the time, Stechinical was in the process of testing and phasing in a completely new and far more secure point of sale and digital platform, the Vista platform and website. Hopefully nothing to do with Windows Vista. Yeah, please. <laughs> Efforts were immediately redoubled to migrate to these new platforms. Starting on the 11th of October 2016, the company removed all the customer information off the old platform, ensuring that it was no longer susceptible to any potentially unscrupulous cyber activity. While the migration to the new system... Sorry, I beg your pardon. With the migration to the new system, we can confidently assure all our customers that the newly installed HTML digital uh, platforms are significantly more advanced and robust and that all customer data is fully secure. Famous last words. Hmm. As with any secure digital platform, Stechinical strongly recommends its customers that they change their password regularly. This can be done by going to stechinical.com and following the Forgot My Password steps. As an additional security measure, and as I discussed in the podcast with Matt, it is also recommended that customers change their password if they use the same or similar passwords on any other digital platforms. Uh, Stechinical Theatre investment in this new Stechinical Theatre's investment in this new system reinforces the fact that the company takes very seriously its responsibility to ensure the security of its customers' personal information at all times. Um, I, I would go as far as to suggest that last year and prior to this e- event, they were not taking their customers' security very seriously. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, you, 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 it, it's still their fault, but you have to look at the developers here. I mean, we know what kind of day and age, or developers know what, what kind of day and age they're developing apps in mm. or software in. Taking um, shortcuts. Taking shortcuts mm. like that is, is definitely not the way to go. And maybe you put it down to rookie mistake. You know, mm. I don't know what technologies they use in the back end, but certainly shouldn't be the case. You know, any, anybody worth their salt should know this. Um, but, you know, on, on the Sturkinical topic, the app hasn't been working for a while. I've had a few friends who've been complaining about it. So there's something wrong on the oh. digital side, I think. Even with the new one. The new app. The new app. Oh. Is there a new app? Oh, my, my existing app uh, that I've been running for the last two, three years just stopped working. Oh, and I've got a few friends who's also, they couldn't book online. So the app just basically says they can't connect to server. Oh, dear. Not good. So, yeah, let's hope they sort those out. They, they had a great app at one point and a good service, but... Um, yeah, yeah, not I, yeah. at the moment. Anyway, um, as I mentioned, as we as Matt mentioned in that podcast, um, have I been pwned? Is the website to go check out? Type in your email yes, address yes. and find out if you were among those who uh, who fell victim to this uh, um, to this and any other real and any other one security yeah. breach. Yeah. And I was surprised when I typed in my details this week to discover that I'd uh, I'd been fallen victim to a couple of. Uh, a couple of problems. I think LinkedIn and Dropbox. LinkedIn, uh, Dropbox is my two ones. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I do go check that site out like once every year or so. Okay. Um, but yeah, we we both use password managers. So the passwords that I use now, um, mm. very long characters. I don't even know them myself. So they get changed uh, yeah. fairly regularly. Right. We need to take an ad break. We'll be back right after this. Honey, why can't I download any more series? Dad. 
My game just bombed. Daddy, I was speaking to Kevin and my cord just cut out. With uncapped Vox Fiber to the home, reaching your cap is a thing of the past. You can have all your devices connected all the time. Get unlimited browsing, unlimited calling, and unlimited entertainment. Vox Fiber. Now uncapped. T's and C's apply. For more information, visit vox.co.za. Welcome back to Talk Central. How's it, Rechard? How's it, Duncan? Are you ready for uh, St. Patrick's evening tonight? Oh, is it St. Patrick's St. Day St. Patrick's today? Day today. Yeah, we didn't oh. bring beer to celebrate because I think we took, we took a vow not to drink beer while we podcasting. Yeah. Um, I, but, yeah, yeah. Ready yeah, for that green beer? No, I'm, I actually got to get to bed very early tonight because I'm getting up early to drive to the coast. So uh, I uh, will not be partaking on St. Patrick's Day, but I'm sure, um, I'll have one for you. You're going to have a few craft I beers for me. Please do. What are you going to be drinking tonight? <laughs> um, I want to keep it. I like to keep it traditional on St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I'm going to go with some Guinness. Oh, nice. And depending on love the, Guinness. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Some mm. Guinness and uh, my good old uh, any IPA on tap. Nice, nice, nice. Have you ever had Kilkenny? Love Kilkenny. That's that was one of my favorite Irish. beers for a very long mm, time. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Still delicious. Very creamy. Um, but yeah, I actually prefer for Guinness now. Guinness on tap is... Guinness um, is great. Yeah. 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 And obviously the good also uh, SAB Mock Start. Mock Start is yeah, also nice. I love it. Thirsty now, but let's get on with the show. Yeah, let's, let's finish the show so we can have a beer. <laughs> right, so uh, Celsius results this week. Um, they've swung to a profit, 540 million rand net profit. Um, wow. This is a company that uh, lost, uh, I forget the number, I think it was around 5 or 6 billion rand last year uh, at a net, net loss level. Uh, so certainly doing um, a heck of a lot better than they have, uh, which I guess bodes well for their future, with the mm. restructuring going on and uh, and all of the rest of it. Um, interesting, to, they announced this week that, um, or, or said to me in an interview this week rather than announcing it, that uh, they are um, keen to engage with Vodacom to expand their roaming agreement uh, nice. From 2G, 2G, and 3G now onto 4G LTE as well, uh, which would be a major boon if they can get it for their oh, customers. Yeah. Uh, because of course, Vodacom has the biggest uh, LTE network in the country. They've been mm. very aggressively rolling out. I've been actually looking at their, I was looking at their website the other day, the coverage map the other day, and uh, they, they've got LTE everywhere now. It's amazing. Um, small, even the smallest towns have got 4G LTE. Yeah, I love it. I've been noticing a lot of LTE on my phone popping up. Uh, in but you're the on MTN, place. aren't you? I'm on MTN. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, we got, but still having LTE. They're also Across expanding. Africa, They're also great. expanding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, th- 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 those are negotiations. One hopes that uh, Telcom is going to do the same with MTN at some point because they, they only currently roam on 2G and 3G. Um, but uh, we'll have to see about that. But uh, positive news from Celsi and I guess positive for uh, Blue Label Telecoms as well, which is buying 45% of the company. I, uh, so I went to uh, the launch this week of a new... Uh, store, it's a warehouse really in uh, Midrand called MyTech Direct. Uh, they, 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 they describe themselves as a sound and technology store, I think. Um, oh, I love the sound of that already. Um, and it's, ama- it's amazing. This place is absolutely amazing. Rechot. You've got to get out there. Uh, they open on Saturday, so if you get a chance Maybe this I weekend. Pop around there, yeah. Um, they're, uh, they're just before Neotel's offices, if you know the Midrand area, as you're heading north towards Pretoria on the right hand mm. side. So mm. you take the. Uh, you probably take Allendale as the best and then loop your way past, back around past Neotel and you'll find the offices there. Quite hard to spot at the moment because they don't have a sign outside. But um, they, uh, they, they've they got this huge warehouse. So uh, this, this place is massive. They've built an entire stage inside there and they can hold concerts. Um, they've got a, a huge area where they do manufacturing. They build stage equipment. Um, and then on the retail side, they, uh, they've got this, what is undoubtedly the biggest music store in South Africa. Uh, they say it's the biggest in Africa. Nice. Uh, and they said, in fact, at the launch that they believe it's one of the biggest in the world. Um, and they've got, if, if you're a musician, this place is heaven. Hmm. Um, and of course we're, uh, we'd use a lot of audio gear and, uh, uh, I had a chat with a sales, a technical salesman there by the name of John. Uh, who, I, if you go there, I can highly recommend because he really knows his stuff. Um, and uh, we bought some cool podcasting gear, which, uh, for example, allowed us to do the uh, Skype interview earlier in uh, good quality. Um, and uh, so they've it's geared towards musicians, but they've they've it's it's also if you're a, a music lover, particularly if you're an audiophile, you'll love this place. I mean, they've got all the latest high end amps. Uh, they've got a, a Sennheiser specialist store inside. Hmm, the store. Nice. Uh, apparently, it's only the second of these in the world. 
Um, wow. I tried on a pair of Senna. I, didn't, I forget. I should have written the model number down before I did this. Po- before we recorded this podcast, but it's. I, I tried out the the Sennheiser's top end headphones, which retail for twenty four thousand rand. Sure, mind blowing. Mind blowing. Buy a few of those for podcasting. Yeah. So I've got a pair of QC twenty fives, which I'm wearing right now, in fact, to record this podcast, and uh, love the quality of of my Bose QC twenty fives. And then I tried out these Sennheisers. Wow, man! I wanted to buy them on the spot. Uh, unbelievable <laughs> so comfortable on the ear and the audio quality was just mind-blowing as you'd expect for 24,000 sure, rand sure. Um, so uh, you know if you if, if you're one of those who um, likes to spend a lot of money maybe leave the credit card at home the first time you know, just so you know what you're getting yourself in for <laughs> um, uh, but they've got they've got such a selection um, I mean I'm not a musician uh, you know, I've got no rhythm at all so I'm not even going to pre- try and <laughs> pick up a guitar or something but um you know the selection of keyboards and 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 electric guitars and bass and um uh you know wind equipment uh you name it they've got it there oh wow um, okay uh, so if they've got a robot light for my home disco and a mirror ball <laughs> they in might, my garage they might not have that um <laughs> or they might chase you out they of might the have shop. the laser the laser show <laughs> they might they might have that um, but um, some beautiful guitars as well. I mean, I, you know, I don't know nothing about guitars, but uh, I was looking at this beautiful Gibson electric guitar they had there retailing mm. for 68,000 Rand. Um, looked stunning. I just, I actually wanted it on my wall. It was so beautiful. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so they've, they've got such a wide range selection there. So it's, um, I, I just hope, I mean, the amount of money they must have invested in this place. I, I just hope that uh, they make it back because um, it's, it's, a, it's a big investment in, yeah. a, in what is a poor economy. Uh, in uh, what is a relatively small market, mm. um, so music yeah. stores like that always remind me of uh, old CD stores, vinyl stores. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. a very particular kind of person that hangs out there. And I and I do frequent uh, music technology stores like that quite often. Mm. You know, there's a few around the around the area there, and I need to pick up some stuff. But they do go. They do tend to get a little bit scruffy after a while. Yeah, I hope they. Yeah. I hope this one. Uh, I'm looking at photographs here. I hope it keeps that veneer because yeah. it looks very nice inside. In fact, th- thanks for mentioning the photographs. If you're going to have a look at the podcast entry on the website, if you're listening to this through your podcatcher, um, we've posted a video uh, of the warehouse um, just to give you an idea of the scale of it, um, and as long as a bunch, of, uh, as well as a bunch of photographs uh, that I took on the launch evening this week, uh, just showing you uh, the insides of the store. Um, it's worth checking out. Um, uh, just to get the scale, the video in particular, I think, just just shows you. That's how massive. They're flying a drone inside the warehouse. That should give you an idea. It gives you an idea. So that's uh, my um, my tech direct. Uh, I will be spending, I suspect, a lot of money there. Over the years. <laughs> um, in fact, I've already spent quite a bit of money there. So um, uh, I was uh, the day after. I was the uh, first sale. Uh, the oh wow! After, yeah. Okay, fantastic. Mm. Well, certainly the first sale that John made. Um, uh, so I bought uh, something called a Radial Pro AV2, made in Canada. Um, beautiful little um, piece of equipment. I'm not even sure what it, you'd call it. I think it's a transformer of, of some description. Uh, but it really it really uh, takes out uh, any um, noise from um, uh, the computer when mm, you're doing yeah. Skype calls. Um, cleans, it up, cleans up the audio. Yeah. Cleans up the audio beautifully and spits out this pro-sounding audio. It's a proper rugged-looking device. I want to take it out in the field and just bash it around, put some scratches on it. It, it seems like it needs some, it does, some yeah. history on it. Yeah, it looks like a bit like that brick uh, internet device they make up in uh, Kenya. Yeah, yeah. Um, looks really rugged and uh, uh, but lovely stuff and great, great service from 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 John. I'm sure all the guys there know there. Know That's what you want from a shop like that. You mm. need somebody go in and, and they can explain to you exactly which cable you need, or if they can custom make it for you even better. No, it was uh, brilliant. I took my I took my gear there. Um, I just put it all in a in a rucksack. Went through there. And so I sat with him for an hour while we tested solutions and let's see how oh, this fantastic. one does. And fantastic. so they really took the time uh, to 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 make sure that I was a happy customer and walking out of there with the product that I actually needed. Um, uh, which uh, you don't get too often in retail in South Africa. The guys just want to make a sale and they mm. say, "Yeah, take this, bring it back if it doesn't work." Exactly. Mm. But it seemed like this place has got a couple of brands that it sells, so it's, it's obviously trying to get you the best product rather than selling you. Yeah, their own brand. Yeah, and I mean, he gave, he gave me options as well, which was nice. He said you could buy this, you know, at twenty percent of the price, but you're probably not going to get quite the same quality. And mm. we sort of discussed mm. the pros and cons of each, and uh, and you know, eventually settled on a product. But only after testing it and connecting to their internet nice. and doing some calls over Skype and all that sort of thing. So um, 
very very impressed. Uh, I've walked away with a, with a good first impression. Put it that way. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, I do feel sorry for the smaller music stores, though. Um, you know, with this this behemoth now opening in Midrand. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of the smaller guys around Joburg, um, and I think they may feel a bit of pain from uh, this mega warehouse. And it's opening. a very it's a very it's a sen- price sensitive market. Um, that it audio is. market. Oh, definitely. Yeah, musos don't generally have money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or, or paying using one gig's money for to pay for the next week's yeah. app. Yeah, or podcasters for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, the last item of news that um, caught my attention uh, this week is uh, the news that Swatch, the uh, Swiss watchmaker, uh, is going to develop its own operating system for smartwatches. So they're saying, um, <clears throat> no thanks, Google. Huh. Uh, we're not going to develop it on Android. We're, uh, we're going to develop our own. Now, we don't know much about, about it yet, but I thought it's an interesting development. Swatch owns 18 brands including Tissot, Omega Watches, and others. Oh, yes. So they're a, they're a very big player in the Swiss uh, watch market. Um, and it comes in the same week that Tag Heuer took the wraps off its new, its new smartwatch, which I think costs about $3,500. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not cheap, uh, but looks beautiful. Um, uh, uh, I must say that Tag Heuer, the new Tag Heuer, if you go to Tag Heuer's website and have a look at it, uh, I think it's the best-looking smartwatch I've seen so far. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, you're getting, you're getting the, 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 that, that kind of that history of the proper wrist watch yeah. with some modern technology. I'm not sure whether doing your own operating system is the best way forward. We've seen what happens with companies that like to do their own operating systems. Yeah. Um, maybe they come out with something that's superb and really works well. Well, they, they said the, the soft really makes it right. They do. And they said that they're prepared to license it to other vendors. And maybe that's even their ultimate game plan uh, is to edge Google out of the market. Uh, so maybe it does make sense. Um, but uh, developing your own wearables OS can't be easy. Yeah, and you, you fight an ecosystem. I mean, mm. Android and iOS mm. got very strong ecosystems, and mm. your watch needs to work within an ecosystem. That's true. It might have limited functionality if you can, you know, if, if well, it will have some functionality if you compare it with a mm. smartphone, obviously, extended functionality, but it'll still only be playing within its own ecosystem, mm. which doesn't have any other devices necessarily. But, but maybe they've looked at what's happened in the Android world where very few um, um, smartphone manufacturers actually make money if your name isn't sure. really Samsung. Sure. Um, do you I think mean, this is a showpiece? Maybe they're just doing it to keep up with the Joneses and just say, hey, we can do this as well. Maybe. But it's a big investment to make just to say, hey, we can do it as well. Mm. Um, I mean, developing an OS is an expensive business. And you see a cheap developers and you do it on the fly. I mean, that could, <laughs> we've seen that before as well. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but an interesting one. We're, we're watching this with, with, with a, great, uh, a great deal of interest. Yeah, um, arguably the best watchmaker or the most famous watchmaker in the world. Um, Swatch. Swatch, yeah, oh, yeah, mm, Swatch, yeah. Mm. I've never owned one, have you? No, never. Mm. Uh, I prefer the digital watches. That Casio with the calculator on was my, my favourite watch. Nerd. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> Loved it. You could store telephone numbers. Oh, true, yes. You could play games on that, couldn't you? Uh, not in the one that I had. Okay. Um, that was before Snake. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's our news this week. Uh, let's, let's move on to our uh, regular features. Uh uh, lo- let's start with our loser this week because it's an obvious one and we've picked her before but um, she really just raised her hand again this week and that's Butterbele Lamini, the Minister of Social Development um, for really getting slammed by the Constitutional Court over this social grants mess which she had two years to fix and sat on her bum and did nothing uh, so in effect um, the Constitutional Court has put her department in, into effective administration um, the court is now overseeing the, the social payments debacle. The government, the government mm-hmm. has failed, failed oh, okay. uh, to um, to deal with the problem. Um, it has literally sat on its hands. A Net One UEPS technology subsidiary, Cash Paymaster Services, um, will continue with the contract for a, for another twelve months until a new contract can be issued. And the court has now said it's going to supervise that whole process to ensure it happens. Uh, because clearly the Department of Social Development can't be trusted to do yeah. it. Um, in in short, um, Butterbilile Dlamini should be fired. Um, but um, when your president is Jacob Zuma, um, you get protected. Probably get promotion too. Especially when uh, uh, Butterbilile Dlamini is, um, leads the ANC Women's League, who is uh, right in your camp in uh, in voicing support for Nkosuzana Dlamini Zuma as your chosen successor to you as president. Uh, so she gets to keep her job, even though she has failed spectacularly. So that's our loser of the week, Butterbile Dlamini. 
And our winner this week is Terraco, the data center operator. They've raised another 1.2 billion rand in debt financing from ABSA uh, to fund the expansion of their data center operations. Um, nice. Amazingly success story, Terraco. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've, um, they've just completed their new build at uh, the new wing or new building, the new data center uh, next to their current site on the campus that they're rapidly building in Isando. It's quite spectacular if you ever get a chance to go out there and have a look at it. it, Uh, But they've just broken ground on their new data center in Bridell, uh, also on the East Rand. Uh, The speculation is that that new data center, um, which will be finished by the end of this year, so building it very quickly, uh, is being built uh, largely um, on order from a large international cloud vendor. Uh, no idea. I wonder which rainforest that is. <laughs> it's 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 either that or a certain <laughs> software vendor from Seattle. Um, uh, yeah, well, actually, they're both from Seattle, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, that would be my guess. Uh, either uh, Amazon or Microsoft. Um, could be Apple. That seems unlikely, though. Could be Google. Also, seems a little less. All likely. of these companies do need data centers. I mean, what an incredible business to get into. A few years ago, not many big data centers around. Yeah. Um, I think it was four or five years ago that we started seeing these independent buildings going up, um, housing these mm. independent data centers. Yes. It's fantastic. I mean, it's the backbone of the internet. Yes. Um, I should have invested in a few of those. Yeah, I know. Very smart, uh, very smart bunch of guys, the Terraco guys. Um, they've done incredibly well. It's now owned by a company called Permira, uh, which is a private equity business. Um, so the, the initial manager, the guys, the angel investors, I think there were 18 of them uh, who invested originally have all cashed out. Um, mm. But this business continue to, continues to expand, and it's certainly one of the, the biggest success stories we've seen um, in the last 10 years in the IT space in South Africa. Fantastic. So that's our winner this week, Terraco. And uh, yeah, if you ever do, anyone, anyone listening to this show, if you ever get a chance to go and check out the data center, it's well worth the tour. I'm sure some of the guys listening to the show probably work there. Hmm. Um, so um, what's your pick this week, Rehard? Um, so, you know, I'm an avid drone flyer. I do. Uh, I love it for photography. Um, so one of the apps that I've been playing with for a while now, so, so the, the, the drone that I use is the DJI Phantom 3. Um, absolutely superb device, uh, superb drone. It's kind of outdated now. There's a few new models out. But um, I was looking around trying to find something to really enhance some of the functionality that I've got on this drone. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the electronics in there is, is absolutely f- fantastically sophisticated, and there's so much you can do with these. Mm. But the, the DJI Go app is a little bit limited. I mean, it allows you to do all the things you need to do, but when it comes to autonomous operation, it's a little bit limited. They don't really cater for that. Um, because it's a beautiful open platform like that, a company by the name, well, an app by the name of Lychee, uh, made by guys called or made by a company called VC Technology. It's a very popular application that you can get on iOS and Android, and it works with um, DJI's range of drones. Now, what this app does is it adds an incredible amount of uh, autonomous operation um, and advanced functionality that you can use with your drone. Um, so you use this drone instead of your DJI Go app. Um, and you can do things like uh, 360 photographs in uh, in the sky. I mean, it takes a series of, you can set it up to take a series of 30, 40, 50 photographs. Wow. You can stitch it together with some software that you've got. Um, you, you can also kind of unlock features that's only available on some of the higher end phantoms, um, like, you know, programming a flight path. Um, so I can actually go on to... Uh, Have a, you got one of the higher end ones? I've, well, I don't know. I've got the Phantom 3, but it, it, yeah. it unlocks some functionality that... Um, is also available in the Phantom 4. There's some features in the Phantom 4 that's natively not available in the Phantom 3. Okay. But with this app, you can, you do, can, some, do, you can right. do the same thing. Oh, right. Um, uh, where was I? Oh, um, so it was a 360. One of the other things you can do is you can, there's an online um, platform. It's called The Hub. So if you go to flyleachy.com forward slash hub, you can actually, it's, it's, a, it's a Google Maps of sorts, and you can actually program a flight. Yeah. So if you want to fly around Emerentia Dam, you want to plan it, and you can put in your height how fast it must go between points and where it must end up. Um, and then all cool. you do is you flip your drone into autonomous mode, which is a setting on the controller, um, and you start, you, you start the flight. I mean, it's absolutely incredible what you can do. I've, I'm still unlocking a lot of the functionality because there is a lot you can do. I've been using a lot for 360 photographs, which is fantastic. Um, uh, and there was one more thing. Oh, one of the things I started playing with this week is um, the app also allows you to put your drone into VR mode. So I've got a pair of goggles that I plug my phone into. Yeah. When I put this on my on my face, uh, flip the switch, I can actually see what the drone sees. See a first person view from the drone. Oh, that's point fantastic. Of view. It's not super high res. Um, it's I think it's 720p or 1080 because you you're splitting your screen into two for yeah. both eyes. 
But it's fantastic. That's I mean, fantastic. it's such a, it's such a lot of fun uh, to, to, to do if you want to just play around with your drone. I mean, there's only so many things you can do with your drone, right? But using this app, not only do you allow that functionality, but you can also mm. then fly first person, which is a hell of a lot of fun. Put it in your, put it in your wife's face and fly around a bit and, and get them to experience what it's, yeah. what it's like to fly a drone. I mean, yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. The app isn't free. It's, uh, it's, uh, I think I paid 450 Rand. It's $22 on the iOS store. And on um, Google Play, it's 339 but it's well $3. worth three dollars thirty nine. Three hundred and thirty nine rand. Oh, see, okay. uh, twenty two dollars. So I, I think I paid about four hundred and forty dollars. But I've got an American yeah, four hundred and forty yeah. rand. But I've got an American uh, iTunes account. So oh, right. I think I paid a little bit more for yeah, it. it. Sounds pretty cool. It sounds still, like I'm going to worth get, the money. It sounds like I'm going to have to get myself a drone at some point. Yeah, if you do this, I mean, uh, like I said, the Phantom is a bit old school now. But the Mavic, the DJI Mavic that's out now, mm. fits into your jean pocket almost. Oh right, um, and it delivers similar similar type of uh, footage quality, which is mm. which is superb. I'm but surprised yeah, I'm, no one's flown a drone over the Saxon World Shabin yet. If they can find it, yes. <laughs> I think I think we're all searching for it. I've 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 tried with the infrared, but I couldn't find the I couldn't find anything. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, Lychee, well worth uh, if you, if you've got a DJI Mavic, Phantom, or Inspire. Flylychee.com. Go check that out. It's pretty cool. Um, my pick very briefly this week, um, I'm, and I'm just picking it because it uh, because it looks beautiful. <laughs> um, uh, you know the speed test app uh, that everyone knows the speed test yes, app for yes. your phone. Use it all the time. Yeah. Um, so this is a speed test app, but it's done beautifully. It's as if Johnny Ive wrote it. <laughs> um, it's called Meteor, and it's developed by the same guys who do an app called Open Signal, which I think I've picked before on this podcast. Open Signal is a, is a, is an app for for uh, cellular network geeks. Uh, it really tells you everything you want to know about your local tower and all the towers in the area and your your signal strength yes, and all the rest yes. of it and you know where the t- which tower you connected to and all the rest of it. Open Signal is an amazing app. Meteor is not the same thing. It's a speed test app, um, and it is um, it is just beautifully designed. It it uh, it's got literally got this little flying meteor on the screen and. Uh, uh, depending on your speed, it shows you these these wonderful animations mm-hmm. of um, of what your speed uh, is like, you know, whether it's good or mediocre or awesome. I think awesome is the top option. Uh, and then it tells you, you know, what your Facebook access is like, whether it's good or bad, and all that sort of oh, thing cool. based on certain apps. So it's it's really a consumer level thing. So it's not aimed at people who understand megabits per second and kilobits per second. It's yeah. aimed at people who really just want to know whether their internet connection is any good. Um, and, and I think I think we, for, working in the tech space, forget that um, you know you say ten megabits a second to someone um, who isn't uh, tech savvy, that doesn't really mean anything to them. Uh, this app is meant to address that, and that it'll tell you whether your internet connection is good nice, or not. Nice. Uh, so it's called a Meteor for uh, Android. So probably not for the people who listen to this podcast, but uh, maybe you want to install it in your mom's phone. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a, not available on iOS. I see. It's only Android, as far as I know. Yes. Um, and so I'll include a link uh, to the Play Store uh, with the with the entry on this podcast. Nice. And that, apart from our quiz results, is our show. Uh, so let's get right to that quiz. Um, it was an easy quiz this week. Yep. Um, our first one, Celsi reported. Actually, this wasn't so. <laughs> guessing a number, I suppose, is not that hard. Would be not that easy. But we uh, did answer it during the course of the show. Celsi reported a net profit for its 2016 financial year this week. Uh, how much was it? And we said we'd accept to the nearest 100 million rand, and the answer is 540 million rand. The second question, Celsi is interested in expanding its roaming agreement with Vodacom to include which mobile technology, and we mentioned that, 4G and LTE. And the third question, the Constitutional Court this week ordered which company to continue paying social grants for a period of 12 months despite the contract being unlawful? And the answer to that one is Cash Paymaster Services, which is a subsidiary of Net One UEPS Technologies. And the fourth question, we wanted to know which politician found themselves in all sorts of hot water over a tweet about colonialism this week. And the answer is Helen Ziller. Helen Ziller. Sure. Did you see that tweet? Yeah, I did. She really put her foot in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and our last question this week, leaks have revealed the name of uh, Samsung's AI assistant, uh, which is expected to be introduced with the Galaxy S8 later this month. And we've got less than two weeks to wait till we see that phone. I can't wait. Mm. Uh, what do the leaks suggest that this uh, AI assistant is going to be called? Uh, and the answer to that question is Bixby. B-I-X-B-Y. What an odd name. Uh, I suspect they chose it in part because it's um, it stands out and uh, that you need you can't just use an ordinary word sure. because you're going to when you're going to hey Bixby and your phone's going to wake uh, up so yeah, they had to yeah. choose something that doesn't sound oh, like clever, another for word for sure for sure um, not like a low Google I think Alexa is much sexier than Bixby yeah, but, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. You need to you need to relate to that. Yeah. A beautiful name or that, that mm. would do that, yeah. Mm. Siri doesn't do it for me either though. Mm-mm. Siri. Although Siri is very futuristic sounding. You can speak does, I can yeah. speak to my spaceship yeah. uh, on the other side of Mars. Mm. Hey Siri, take us back yeah. home. <laughs> so what have we got now? We've got Siri, Bixby, Cortana, Google. Um why Google should come up with a name for its one. Yeah. Um what else is there? I think that's about it, really. Uh, uh, did you say Echo? Uh, Ale- Alexa. Yeah. Oh, Alexa, 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 Siri, Bixby, Cortana. Uh, Cortana is also a bit ugly. Mm. Um, Bixby. Maybe it'll grow me. I don't know. We'll see. Sounds like a pet name. Bixby, come here. <laughs> <laughs> Your phone gets up and walks towards you. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's going to be the launch plan. Maybe that's the uh, feature they haven't revealed yet. <laughs> hasn't leaked yet. <laughs> anyway, on that note... Um, uh, I'm not here next week, so this podcast will be taking a break. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks' time. Yeah. Uh, we'll do even talk, some talking about Apple, because they're apparently going to be doing some nice oh, announcements. Yeah. I think that's... Yeah, they, they, in fact, the rumor is that the iPad, a new iPad announcement, yes, yes. will be moved forward to later this month. Yeah, though. yeah. I think next week or next two weeks, I think we're going to see some mm. stuff from Apple. Yeah, so we'll probably be talking Apple in the next show. Uh, I'm looking forward to do with, seeing what they come up with next on the iPad oh, yeah. front, because I think the iPad Pro was a bit overpriced, and... Uh, I think the market shunned it a bit. Mm. I think mm. once technology catches up, I mean, that you know, a powerhouse iPad is, mm. is what we're going to be seeing yeah. at a good price. Hopefully. <laughs> With yeah. Apple, it'll never really be. Yeah, no, true, true. <laughs> As always, if you've got any feedback on the show, we love getting your mails. We do read all of them. Our e- email address is info at techcentral.co.za. Keep them coming. From Rechel and myself, until next time, take care. Ciao, ciao. ciao.